You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 149. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is a Q&A episode. I love doing these episodes, and we have so many questions to get to, so I am just going to jump right in. So let's start with living with less. She asked, how are you liking Europe, and what are you learning about yourself? P.S. Love you and your show, Jess. Thank you, living with less. The question about Europe is a great one. I think a lot of people are going to notice a theme when it comes to these questions. A lot of them are Europe related in the travel so far. So how am I liking it? What am I learning? I am learning that I'm way more flowy than I thought I was. So if you listened to last week's episode, you hear me talk about my two big values for this trip and ultimately my life right now, which include adventure and flow. And as I've learned to get into finding flow more and more in my life and finding that in my circumstances and looking for the flow of my circumstances, I have become way more laid back and flexible and easy and just kind of, I don't even know what to say. I always would have probably, especially when I was younger, attributed myself to more of the type A personality. And though I still probably have tendencies to do that, on this trip especially, as I've become aware of this flow and really started to day to day, moment to moment, decision to decision, decision to decision, to live that flow value, I am doing really well and I am super easy to travel with as my companions in travel that I've gone along with have noticed if they ask me which thing should we do this or what about this or those types of things. I'll have sometimes thought that it seems like this might seem more fun than that, but ultimately I am so easy. I let my friends make decisions when it makes the most sense for them to make the decision. And I just kind of go with the flow. And it's been fun to expand in this way and become less rigid than I think I used to be and less put things into boxes or opinionated about how things should be. Letting them flow has been a really fun thing. Also, I've been meeting some amazing people from all over the world on the travels. I've met people from Jordan, New Zealand, South Africa, France, Portugal, Australia. It has been so fun to get to know all these different people and their cultures and to speak with them about what's going on in their lives or how they've approached their lives. It's been a blast. And uh, just to kind of circle back to this whole flow thing, because I think this is the thing I'm learning the most about myself, is learning to seek flow first before the adventure. So trying to make sure that I'm in a place where my circumstances and my feelings and my appreciation for things are in a good place before taking action. So when things feel rushed or they feel pressured or they feel like there's resistance and I'm trying to force something, I'm learning to step back from all of that tension Find relief from that tension, then seek what's flowing from the circumstances that may not have been going the way I thought they should or would, and find that flow from there and just kind of pivot to where the flow is rather than where the force used to be. So that's what I'm learning. Overall, I am loving it. I can't believe I've been traveling for over a month now. It feels like it's been so long, (laughs) much longer than a month, but that's totally fine. I can't believe I have another two months to go. I am so fascinated to see how all of the next adventures will play out given how much has changed in my life experience so far already. Now we'll move on. Hannah.Botting asked, 
What have been your travel essentials? Is there anything you could have left behind that you don't find yourself using as much as you thought? This is really interesting. Okay, so when it comes to the essentials, the essentials that I am so glad I brought are the lightweight raincoat that I brought from Everlane. That raincoat really came in handy in London and in Paris in the early part of the trip. It was super lightweight, so it didn't add a lot of warmth, but it was good for any time that I had to travel in weather that was rainy. So I definitely have gotten a lot of use out of that. Now that I'm here in Portugal at the moment, I don't need it at all, but it's good to know as I go back to Scotland in a few weeks that I think I'll probably need that raincoat again then too. So that has been a really great thing. Also having cute running shoes that look good for walking and running has been awesome. It is ultimately though, I think part of the carry on living lifestyle. One of the things that as much as they're cute and I can do both with them, the truth is if I had more space and I had an actual house, I would have cuter walking shoes and better running shoes. These are kind of a hybrid. They look cute enough to wear out, but they also are comfortable and supportive enough for running, but neither is perfect. I think it's been fine and they've been working for me and they have been super flexible for me. So they are an essential, but I'd say that if I was living in a regular place, I would have two pairs of shoes. One that's the cute pair of walking shoes and one that's the really good pair of running shoes. Other essentials are really just the washer and the dryer at the Airbnbs that I go to. Being able to wash and clean my clothes means everything. If I am wearing the same stuff day in and day out, the dirty stuff is terrible to rewear. So having a washer dryer and having clean clothes is almost like getting new clothes for me. That has been an essential as well. Things I could have left behind. I took a lot of Polaroid camera film with me for my Instamax, or it's not really a Polaroid. It's just kind of the idea of a Polaroid though. They look kind of a similar shape and size. I brought a lot of film for it, and as I keep packing up my duffel bag, I see how much space that kind of takes up. It's not a ton, but you know, when you are literally living out of a backpack, a duffel bag, and a carry-on suitcase, that kind of is some part of what I own that I haven't been using. Maybe I'll get more active in the Polaroid camera thing as I go and using the Instamax more. But so far, I haven't been using it that much. So that extra camera film has just been kind of bulky and taking up space that another shirt or a pair of shoes could be using instead. Another thing is I brought a water bottle thinking that this is going to be super helpful. I'm going to always have this water bottle so I don't have to always be buying water bottles. But depending on where I'm at, and I haven't gone to places where water isn't safe or good to drink yet, but having this water bottle I brought has actually become kind of annoying because washing it by hand in the travel so far is not been the easiest and then letting it fully air dry has not been the easiest and it's not one of those dishwasher safe ones. So it kind of smells like a stinky gym sock at this point and I really don't want to use it. So I think I'm gonna let it go here on this trip. So that's been something I actually could have left behind but I thought I was going to want more of. Instead, I've just been using water bottles as I go. I know it's not the most zero waste lifestyle choice but given the stinky gym sock smell of my current water bottle that I brought with me, I think it's time to let this thing go. So now let's move on. We got Ham59. She said, hi, Jess. Name your top three favorite things and experience so far about your European adventure. This is a great question. When I thought about it, the first thing that came to mind was Avignon, France. Wine tasting in Avignon, France was fantastic. 
Next up was going to a fancy restaurant in Porto, Portugal. I don't remember the name of the restaurant right now, but it was so incredible. It was looking out over the water a little bit outside of the city. And the, we were in an Uber car going to, I think, a port tasting at that time. And the Uber driver recommended that we check out this fancy restaurant. So we did. We made a reservation that night. Course after course was so delicious, so much fresh seafood and just incredible views. He even had a gluten-free menu so I could even eat all of the foods without worrying about that as well. That was definitely one of the top moments. And also here in Lisbon, Portugal, the surf lesson that I did yesterday was so fun. I never thought of myself as ever going to be someone who would take a surf lesson or surf on a surfboard. But that has changed. A dream I never knew I had has happened yesterday. So that was also one of my top moments. I can't believe the stratospheric contrast of what my experiences will be like on this trip. For example, you know, surfing in Portugal. That's incredible and crazy. But also I have a hill walking or hill climbing and meditation retreat that I'm going to in Scotland coming up in July. Those are two very different experiences that will be happening on this same trip. So seeing the differences between the different experiences from different, they're not extremes per se, but just totally different points of life or things to do. So it'll be fun to have that other one in the future. And it's been fun to hang 10 here in Portugal. Next up, we have Love Sunday who asked, what is the best advice you've received and how did it affect your life? Love your podcast and thank you for inspiring me so much. The best advice I've ever received, the thing that came to mind was when I was at a retreat trying to figure out years ago a relationship issue. And I was there in this retreat, in this kind of workshop. And one of the people, the members of the workshop with me was a relationship coach. And she said, Jess, it seems like you're kind of holding your relationship in this like tight grip. And what you need to do is not hold it so tightly, but open up the palms and let it rest there and let it stay if it's meant to stay or go if it's meant to go, but hold things in your life with open palms instead of clenching them into fists. That has been something that has been a part of my life. I think I've definitely always wanted to clench in life. I want to make things happen or keep things the way I want them to be or put them in a certain direction. I think that the open hand approach, however, the open palm approach is much more fluid, much more flowy <laughs> and much more peaceful. So that's the best advice that I have ever received. And I think about it all the time. This was many years ago when I heard it, but I still come back to it in every relationship or other areas in career, et cetera, as well. Now we have M Warby 11. She said, hi, Jess, I would love for you to do a high low of your adventure so far. What's been the high point and what's been a low point? The high point was a day in Porto with Joanna Galvo, who has been hanging out with me for the last week here in Porto, Portugal, and Lisbon. And we had one of what I would call or consider the best days ever. We went bikini shopping. We did business talk. We went port tasting. We went to this fancy Michelin star dinner. We went to drinks and dancing. It was just all the things we wanted to do all in one day. It was just so incredible to have this fun friend to spend time with, to do all these fun things that we both liked to do together, and just to have great, inspiring conversation all along the way. And then when it comes to the low, I totally remember the low. 
once I landed and was taking the Metro to the Airbnb, I put my wallet in a different part of my duffel bag that I normally didn't put it in. So as I was walking, I couldn't find it where I normally would put it and totally was convinced that I was pickpocketed and I started sweating really profusely. There was about a 20 minute kind of freak out and I felt so uncomfortable because it was my first time being in Paris and I don't speak French and I know that's one of the countries that's a little more tricky to get around in terms of people speak English there, but they're not as open about doing it right away. And not every single person does speak it either. So just kind of navigating that area was nerve wracking. But thinking that I got pickpocketed on the way to the Airbnb and that I wouldn't have any money for dinner or any way to really get in touch with the place that would give me a credit card and just not knowing what was going to happen next when it it came to the idea that my wallet might have been stolen really, really sucked. So that was terrible. I got to the Airbnb, still upset about it, still about 20 minutes in at this point, thinking it was gone. I tore apart my backpack and took everything out and I was like, yeah, it's not in here. And then I started going through the duffel bag and then lo and behold, the bottom of the duffel bag, I found it. So crisis averted. Thank God I put it in there. I don't know. Maybe I thought (laughs) about making it more safe by putting in the big duffel bag, but it was so safe that I couldn't even find it myself. That was definitely the low, but thankfully was not one that was actually a pickpocket situation that I would have had to solve. Since then, I got really smart about it. I always kept my wallet, first of all, in the same place so I know where it was. And I put it in the large area of my backpack if I was ever carrying a backpack. I know a lot of travelers I've seen have put their backpacks on their stomachs. It's not really my thing. I'm not going to carry my backpack around facing forward. But because pickpocketing is really common in places like Paris or Italy, I am putting the wallet in those cases in the big cavity at the bottom of the bag underneath things. So it wouldn't be easy for someone unless they literally grab the bag off of my back for them to actually find this tiny little wallet that's at the bottom of the big zippered pocket, not the front little pocket that's easy to access. Next up, we have Morning Dove Love who said, which European products do we need more of in the States and what products are you missing? Your adventure sounds amazing. So when it comes to products that Europe has that we in the US do not, the thing that came to mind is the bikinis from Oisho. I may be saying that wrong. O-Y-S-H-O. It's a Zara-based company. Their bikinis are so cute and affordable and unlike anything I've really seen in the US, That would definitely be something I would say I wish that they sold and shipped to the US. And then also the powerful blow dryers here in the UK and in the European Union are much better and stronger than the US versions. So those are things that I love about Europe that I wish we had more of in the States. And then when it comes to the US and what I miss about stuff from the US, I think if I was to live here for a long time, I think Madewell is something I would miss. Depending on the country, Amazon is something I would miss and contact solution. When I was in Paris, I needed to replenish my contact solution and got what I thought was contact solution. And I think it is and was contact solution. It's now been used up. I didn't like it as much as the OptiFree Express stuff that I used in the States. So I was kind of bummed that I couldn't find that here in Paris while I was there. But here in Portugal, just actually like an hour ago, I needed more contact solution because I'd be getting those smaller bottles instead of the big ones for the suitcase restrictions and that sort of thing. And I was so lucky that here in Portugal at this pharmacy, they had the OptiFree Express in the translated, you know, it was all in Portuguese instead of in English, but I knew the box and I knew what it looked like, generally speaking, from the branding. And I was so happy to get it. I was like, thank you. Well, it's like so much more comfortable and, and just better product. I just liked it more. 
But then I was shocked to see that it cost 20 euro for contact solution. A regular bottle, size bottle of contact solution was 20 euros. In the US, that's like 15, 14 dollars maybe. And I thought that was expensive then, but for 20 euros, that was pretty crazy. It turns out, I think Amazon would be something that I would have missed. I guess people here in Portugal can use the UK Amazon and ship things from there, I think. So there's other ways to get around it or Spain, but but overall, I think that's what I would miss about the US stuff the most. Now we have Katie Sinks who said, I'm really curious about mentorship and coaching and how valuable it really is. It's kind of a, I don't know if there's a question here, Katie, but I can say for me, I love it. It helps me move through personal blocks quicker and more effectively than going through it one inch by inch on my own. It is the favorite part of my life. Literally having sessions with my coaches and mentors are my favorite part of my week. I look forward to those experiences the most. For me, getting that access of wisdom and someone who's totally on my team, if you will, someone that's totally there to help me to navigate my life in a better way. It's so much joy to work with them too. So if you have the right fit, it can be truly life-changing. If it isn't feeling like like, the right fit though, it's kind of like blind dating. You know, if you don't find the right person, don't write off dating altogether. Just keep dating to see if you can find that right fit for you. Now, Lisa Valinsky asked, what amazing food and tea have you had on your travels? How much are you sticking with the gluten and dairy-free lifestyle? The answer to the gluten dairy-free lifestyle is mostly when possible. So in Paris, for example, and France in general, I found it the most difficult to eat gluten and dairy-free. In general, Elisa Vitti told me that the gluten and dairy in Europe is better than the US. So she said I didn't have to totally avoid it. And then when I went to Paris, I went to France, I was like, all right, here I am as a pescatarian. I'm not going to totally avoid it. In fact, it's pretty unavoidable in most places. So I enjoyed it. But the problem was I didn't feel as good, first of all, eating all of that gluten and dairy every day. It wasn't by far what I was used to eating at all. And also my skin got wrecked from it. It was really, really pimply. I hated how much my face and neck and back were really showing the signs of PCOS because of the gluten and dairy on top of PCOS. So I have to say that really sucked. And when I got back to London, and I did a very good job in London staying gluten dairy free before for the two weeks that I was there ahead of time, I went straight back to gluten dairy free once I got out of Paris in France. So I definitely would say from a eating point of view, I would much prefer not to be in France at all and just stay in places like Portugal or in UK because those places I can find gluten dairy free options much more readily. And when it comes to Portugal, it's not like things here are, oh, here's this like gluten free bread everywhere. That's not always the case, but so many more options than just lettuce-based salads here that I can eat that aren't super expensive, you know, fillets of fish and that sort of thing to eat. When it comes to super awesome things specifically, I want to say that I had a rose tea latte at the Farm Girl in London probably six times while I've been in London. I just keep going back to Farm Girl and getting breakfast and working from there. And the rose tea lattes come with rose petal French bulldogs kind of put on the top of the foam, if you will. So maybe you've gone to a coffee shop and they've made you a flower. Well, at this place, the barista somehow takes crushed rose petals and turns it into a Frenchie bulldog, which... I I have no idea. It's mind-blowing how he does it, but love those lattes so much. And then my other favorite, this is honestly, this is the favorite thing, is the afternoon tea that I did at Sketch in London with my friend Diana. Oh my gosh. 
we were so happy. I was happier than I think I have ever been. Like it was so fun to be at Sketch in London at the afternoon tea. All of the tea cakes and sandwiches and stuff were great. The champagne, if you go to afternoon tea at Sketch and you drink, I definitely recommend getting the rose champagne version of their tea. So you get a glass of rose champagne at the start of your tea. Totally fantastic. That was just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Actually, no, scratch that. I don't want it to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. I would love to go again, but that was one of the best. That's probably the best moment of my food eating so far here. And I just said to heck with it with the gluten dairy free in that day and enjoyed every tea cake and pedophore and dessert possible. And then the other great foods I've been having are the seafood here in Portugal is amazing. My favorite dish is the clams. It's a very traditional dish people have, I guess, out by the beach with cilantro and garlic and olive oil and white wine. It's so delicious. And I've just enjoyed a lot of the seafood here in general in Portugal. I don't typically eat as much fish in the U.S., but I've been enjoying the fresh catches here in Portugal. Now we have Carol Barrel 9 who asked, how will you choose your next home? What are good things to look for and have in mind for the house and or the location? I'm kind of waiting for my intuition to tell me when to choose my next home in terms of what I'm looking for, though, when it comes to the values, as much as what I'm waiting for is my intuition's guidance, I can say that things I would love would be warm weather, a laid back vibe, entrepreneurial aspects of things in the city to do that connect me to that type of community. And being affordable would be wonderful, but is something that I'm willing to be a little more flexible on when it comes to those other things like great weather, laid back vibe and being entrepreneurial. So places that could be like that in my mind so far have seemed to be like San Diego. I haven't been to San Diego yet, but that has been somewhere in the U.S. that I've been excited to explore. Or maybe even Charlotte, North Carolina, I've been hearing has a surprising amount of entrepreneurialism, which is brand new to me. I only started hearing about Charlotte right before I was leaving or even when I was in New York right after I had left. So I've been hearing great things about those areas. So maybe I'll check those out. And also I have to say Lisbon, Portugal hits every single one of these values. And it's very fascinating that the minute that I drove in with Joanna, we drove from Porto to Lisbon on Sunday and I had no no like preconceptions about Lisbon. I had known nothing about it. I just knew some people on Instagram said, oh, you're going to love it. You'll enjoy it. You have to go there. But I had not looked up any photos. I knew nothing. And as we got in, I saw the bridge. What else did I see? I saw a parking garage. <laughs> I saw some buildings. I really just kind of drove in the back way through to go to a restaurant to meet a friend of Joanna's for dinner. And even as we're in the parking garage, or even before the parking garage, literally I'd been there about four minutes, I already said, I think I could live here. And that was just shocking to feel this vibe. The city is so vibrant and beautiful and stunning and the views are spectacular, but the vibe is so calm. It's a big city that has a calm aura about it and it's beautiful and just, I don't know, there's something about it. And I am so surprised because like I said, I knew nothing, I had no expectations coming in. And then it was so shocking to see my immediate reaction just to being there for a few minutes. So who knows? I would say that I've been kind of thinking and holding out there in the world, putting out a fleece, if you will, saying it could be interesting to come back here 
I'll come back actually more during this trip, but also to come back after a few months in the States, maybe for the winter for a few months to stay here and just soak in more of this culture and community and this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. If you guys have not heard of it, I know a lot of people, if you're like me in the States have maybe never heard of Lisbon, Portugal before. If I visually had to describe it for someone who's never seen it, it kind of feels like Paris and San Francisco had a baby (laughs) in Portugal. So it has its own vibe. There's the beautiful terracotta tiles on the roofs. So that'll be different than either San Francisco or Paris, but the architecture and the age and the history of this city are hundreds and hundreds of, if not thousands of years old. So there's beautiful, beautiful buildings and architecture, a lot like Paris, but then the colors of those buildings are kind of like the painted ladies in San Francisco. There's lots of yellows and blues and pinks and whites, and it's just so beautiful. And the tile here is incredible. I just can't say enough stuff about it. So definitely, definitely, definitely check it out if you are going on any trips to Europe from the U.S. or just in general anywhere. I know Europe, from the conversations I've had with Europeans, Europeans uh, know and are obsessed with Portugal, but I think it's more unknown, I think, still a little bit to Americans. So check it out if you haven't. It is stunning. So enough about that. Let's move on. Now I'm going to answer a question from Avi Matic, who asked, what is your typical day like while traveling? How are you balancing the planning and life stuff you have to do against sightseeing and other fun things? I'm taking this one week at a time in terms of what I am focusing on. Is it work and real life and regular life or is it on sightseeing and travel and things to do? So some of it is like pure vacation and other parts of it are friend times to connect with people in person and other parts of the trip are solo times and rest days for myself. It can get overwhelming to just keep consuming new sights and sounds and activities. And so some days after a few weeks of taking in a lot of that stuff. You just need a day where you're going to sit in a room and not look at anything new and just watch some TV that you know from the US. Like sometimes that is all I want. I don't need it for long, maybe even just a few hours, but that can really help ground me and recenter me to something that feels familiar in a sea of new experiences. And also solo days are nice to recharge and reflect on what's going on, to process what I've experienced so far. But I am an extrovert, so I have really enjoyed getting to make new friends and see friends that are here abroad that I have never met before in person or friends who have moved abroad and I haven't seen for several years. So I've done a lot of mixing up with different groups and people, doing the vacation-y stuff too, like going surfing, going wine tasting, port tasting, that sort of thing. And then those solo times. For me, knowing that I'm going to have those solo days feels really good. I think that for me right now, my overall ideal would be one week of fun sightseeing, exploring, that sort of thing. And then a few days on my own to rest and also to do the work and catch up on things that way as well. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Not every single week is like that perfect balance. For example, I have spent one week with Joanna here in Porto in Lisbon. Now I'm going immediately after this to Barcelona to see my friend Nate and spend time with him out in Barcelona and travel with him and knowing that he is purely traveling, not actually working yet because he's in between his job after graduating from his MBA program. I know that he's not going to really be thinking about work. So in those days, I'll be probably mostly sightseeing. With Joanna, I've been able to do a mix of getting work done since she still has a company to run too and then also exploring with her. It's a little more exhausting 
thing though, to be trying to balance both the sightseeing and the work stuff at the same time. Being purely on or purely off is a little better or exploring in the evenings after doing a day of work, that could be a nice balance there. I'm excited to have a few days or almost a week after the week in Barcelona to be here back in Lisbon and be on my own and get to a little bit more of a routine, especially now that I know this area and the city a little bit more. It's going to feel less exploratory and I'll be able to get a little bit more rhythm of routine down. And that's kind of how I'm doing things so far. Now we have Bakavika Matiani. I don't know if I said that name right, but I am going to go with it and hope that it's somewhat close. And she asked, hey Jess, do you have any insights on how I can learn more about my own gifts in a spiritual manner? I'm trying to figure out what I want to fill my time with. That's my chosen word to refer to a job. And I thought learning about my gifts would be a great starting point. Thank you. So let's look at this question. She said, so do you have any insights on how I can learn more about my own gifts in a spiritual manner? My answer is to write to your intuition. Your intuition is going to tell you what you should do next in order to have peace in this moment. So it doesn't really matter about what your gifts are. Your matters is what your intuition wants you to do next. If you haven't tried it already, you can see me do it in my vlog where I wrote to my own intuition. I think that video of me sharing my letter has really helped a lot of people to give this a try themselves. So you can check that out at jesslively.com slash big decision vlog, or you can go to jesslively.com slash intuition and you can see exactly how to write to your intuition there. But that is really what I'd say is what you're looking for. You want to know what you should do next. You don't need to know specifically what gifts you have. It doesn't really matter. What matters is what are you meant to do next and go do that thing. At least that's my opinion anyways. Now we have Martha Ware. She said, your eyebrows are on fleek lately. What makeup do you use for them? P.S. If you want to come to Luxembourg, I'll show you around. Awesome. Thank you, Martha, for your invitation. As far as the eyebrows, I will say I get a lot of comments on the eyebrows, actually. This is (laughs) not unusual, surprisingly enough, I guess. I don't know if many people get eyebrow questions a lot, or maybe this is just something I get, but I will say I got them done recently by the Brow Bar in Ann Arbor, Michigan, right before I left, and I got kind of a new shape slightly than what I've been using for years and years and years. And it's called the feathered brow. Literally, if you go on Instagram, guys, you can search this, the feathered brow or hashtag feathered brow. You can check this out. It's a kind of a different shape than what I had had for many, many years, but it's like a softer curve and it has a thicker, fuller look to it. Also, one of the tips that I got from the brow bar is that as you get older, eyebrows get wider, set apart, further from your nose, if you will. They get further and more sparse. And also the ends of them on the temples, basically on the outside of your eyes, also get narrower and thinner as you get older. So if you are young and you want to keep yourself looking young, one of the ways you can do it, she says, is to make sure that you don't over pluck in between your eyebrows and the unibrow area, if you will. So make sure that you just keep, I think she said like one finger's width distance, but then on either side of that finger, if you're kind of looking at it parallel and putting it up to your nose, you want to keep the hairs on either side of that finger line so that your eyebrows stay thick and full as you age. Also being very clear and careful not to over pluck on the outsides of your eyebrows as well. Those are some tips there when it comes to eyebrows that I've learned and can pass along to you. And in terms of what I use to fill them, because even though they're dark, I do know that they're not fully solid and 
they look better when they have a little powder in them. I just use brown eyeshadows. Right now I'm using a Tarte palette and I just use the brown that matches my eyebrows the most. I think it's a little honestly darker than I would prefer, but especially as I'm traveling right now, I don't have a lot of room for extra products and so I just haven't bothered to grab something else. But I just use a little stubby, I don't even know what it's called. It's one of the brushes you get in like makeup kits that's really short and stubby and I just dip it in the dark brown eyeshadow and then I run it through my eyebrows and then I use a little spoolie and comb them out from there. That's all I do, but I'm glad you're enjoying how they look. Now I have Consciously Consuming who asked, how do you access those emotions and feelings related to the idea that if X happens, then I'll be happy without X actually happening? Can you talk about the process? Thanks. All right, this is a great question and it's something that I keep thinking about over and over and over again and trying to come back to whenever I am feeling resistance and out of flow. Because if I'm in the flow, then one of two things is happening. Either what is what I want to happen is happening, which I feel good about, or if I'm in the flow, I feel as good as if it is happening and then I don't have to worry about it and things are more likely to unfold in a wonderful way. So one phrase I think about all the time is practice and all is coming. It's a yoga phrase that many people have heard me share about before and practice and all is coming tells me intuitively at the deepest part of me that everything that I want is going to happen and it's going to happen by fully practicing and fully embracing this season of my life right now. So part of that can be thinking about how I think I'll feel when X happens and how great that's going to feel. And then even just by thinking about that thing, I feel good right now. Thinking about that doesn't mean I can't feel that feeling now. Brooke Castillo on The Lively Show has talked about this before in some of her episodes. Abraham Hicks, if you haven't heard of Abraham Hicks before, you might want to YouTube that, has tons of videos that all relate to this concept as well. So if you want to get more background on something like this, you can check out that. And I just try to think about how do I think I'm going to feel or even be grateful and go on gratitude walks like Alex Icon mentioned in his episode that I think this is a Tony Robbins tip is to be grateful for the things that haven't even happened yet, but have the gratitude as if you've already experienced that thing in your life. So those are all suggestions and ways that I personally try to tap into the feelings I think I'm going to feel when X happens before it actually does. When I am able to get into that place, things flow so much better. It is amazing, but that doesn't mean sometimes it's not hard to get into that because the ego just wants to swim upstream. It wants to fight the flow. It wants to go against the flow and it thinks by trying harder, it's going to go better. It's going to work better, but it really hasn't. I've just seen it over and over again now. And I think in learning from my own frustrations that the frustrating energy doesn't get me anywhere to where I want to be, that now I'm learning to moment to moment, let go as much as I can so that the flow comes back into my life. Now we have Cooking in Code who said, I would love some travel advice and tips. Also, how do you have the courage to start conversations with strangers? How do the conversations begin and are they ever awkward? <laughs> That's a great question. And it's actually something I'm using from Matthew Hussey's episode of The Lively Show, meeting people in the travels that I've had. I've met so many amazing people. I have found a very simple formula, which is literally what Matthew Hussey said that when you're dating people, you should do, but you can apply this to travel as well. First of all, it's asking a simple favor from someone and then introducing yourself and thanking them for the simple favor. 
this is if you're interested in like, let's say a cute guy at the bar and you want to start a conversation with him, but you don't want to be perceived as quote unquote hitting on him. Well, the idea is that you ask a simple question or favor, and then it gives them an opportunity to speak to you. So if they are interested in you, they'll feel more comfortable to connect. Well, when it comes to traveling and talking to strangers, asking simple questions is so easy to do because as you're traveling, you probably have questions about a lot of stuff. So a simple question of like, what's the Wi-Fi password? Or with this train, does it matter what train car you're in in order to go to this stop? That literally was a question that I asked someone who was standing next to me in London and ended up turning into this fantastic two-hour conversation on the way to the airport. So it was a simple question of, do I have to get on a certain car in order to get to the airport versus the other stops around the train. He didn't even know the answer to that question. It turned out I was speaking to another fellow traveler who is also from America, but then following up the question with where are you from? Cause I could tell he was from America with his accent became this whole entry point to a new conversation. I said I was from Michigan and I don't have a house anymore. He talked about where he's from and where he's traveling to next and on it went from there. So asking a simple question and then following it up with where are you from is a great way to start a conversation with new people. Now we have Beck Lopak who asked, hi Jess, love your show. How did you initially figure out what to do for work? I'm two years out of college and haven't found anything that I truly love to do for work. I want to be able to make a living but still enjoy what I do. My suggestion for you would be to write to your intuition to figure out what you should do next. Try the exercise at jesslively.com slash intuition because I don't have the answer for you. You have the answer within yourself. And when you have the courage to tap into it, be open to it, and then follow it, everything that you really want is ready and waiting for you. And last up, we have CNB Spencer who said, what nail polish were you wearing in your home tour vlog? I just love the pale pink. Great question. It is Pillow Pie by Smith and Cult. And there you guys have it. Thank you guys so much for your questions. There were so many more as well, but literally we are getting to the point now where the questions are outrunning the amount of time that I have to record a regular length podcast episode without my voice going away as well. So I'm going to let this wrap right here, but we'll be doing more Q&A episodes in the months to come as well. So stay tuned for those. Before I share where I'm headed next on my trip, I'd like to talk about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. I love FreshBooks. If you are a business owner and you have bookkeeping that you have to do and you do not enjoy it as much as you enjoy Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, please check out FreshBooks. FreshBooks is, to me, just as enjoyable, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I really do believe it, is just as enjoyable as social media. It is beautiful, it is simple, it is fun, it keeps all of your money and your invoices in the same place, it shows you what's going on with your expenses easily and quickly, it makes all those fancy reports that you need to make for your accountant up in a snap. If you need to make a balance sheet, expense report, you can look at everything on the dashboard, it's all clearly laid out for you, and the minute you load your logo, your colors of your page change to match your branding so you feel right at home. I love it, I've used it for four years going strong. I cannot say it enough. If you have not given this a try, please go over to freshbooks.com backslash lively to get your free month-long trial, 30 days free. Give it a shot. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. I truly believe it has changed my business life for the better, and I hope it does for you as well. Now let's move on to where I am headed next. So as you guys are listening to this, I've been in Barcelona for many days, if all goes as planned, and I will be heading back to Lisbon, Portugal for the next week. After that, I am headed to Italy. Until then, 
May something wonderful happen to you today.